Well, hello everyone. Good day to all and uh, thank you again for always being with us following Quantum Nurse and it will always be published at Quantum Nurse Bitshoot and Rumble and Brighton and Getter. And of course, if my guest has a podcast just now, I have Anna Anisimov and she also has her podcast. So she's going to upload it also in different platforms. So thank you for, and hopefully we'll wish you well, whatever you are and whatever you're doing. And today's guest is no stranger to me. She, I think this has been our third time, right, Anna? Yes, yes. yes. It's our, our third time. And um, just like most of you hardworking women and mothers, she is a mother and she has two children and she really works hard to make sure that she could support herself without, let's just say, being independent, free from any dole outs from any government support or anything that will hinder uh, her from being free or from being sovereign. So um, some of us, like we have one thing in common with Anna and me coming from the Philippines. So we work hard to come here so that we could, let's say, see a better future for us and for our family. And before I continue and, I, and welcome Anna and Anna will share, with us a, a number of her experiences. I want to, let's just say, share like a few lines, Anna, and to you and to the audience. I do like want to protect everything that I do because we both know that what's happening is beyond, uh, beyond um, like what we as human beings can control unless we have that faith that we are really celestial human beings and there's we connected to a source that can really help us so this this line and it says vow to the ave deity and this the, uh, comes in uh, uh mashayahana language which is a pre-ancient language and most of the things that i do to protect myself and everything that i do is something that wasn't like should have been shared to us in our education and maybe in in different faith but then it was also one of those that was like hidden from us so we don't claim that power so it says i'm going to say it in out of respect from uh, out of respect for the source, I'm going to say it in the Mashayahana and then also the English. And this says, Ombron Voesha Eya Yasa Duen. And it says, I choose in my source given freedom. Abreya Enet Shue Eya Hadea Kevoon to awaken and embrace the quiet source alive within me. A adue aya dutu a kumase and et reave to desire only a source desires to rely upon and trust completely. Tave yeve enet jadun aya ru akevo enet akevi the divine eternal presence and wisdom of source both within and without. And it's and there's more to it, but every line is powerful. And that keeps me grounded that no fear, 
you know, fear should lead what in what I do. Okay, so and, amen. Amen to all that. Yeah. Uh, th thank you again for being here. So, as I mentioned, I will just let Anna um, maybe tell us more about herself, especially on what she's doing right now. And from there, um, let's just uh, say, tell me about you know what how what's your experience in growing up in Russia and what's your experience here? Okay, well, thank you so much, Grace, for having me on your show again. It's a pleasure every time. And you always teach me a lot, so thank you. Um, so my intention for uh, this podcast is to basically um, come off as a powerful individual and maybe inspire somebody who hasn't found their, you know, power and who maybe makes excuses for, and feels like a victim um, because that was a huge part of me. Um, I, I always wanted to inspire people and to change the world. So maybe that sounds corny, but um, so when I came here, I was really young and I am a huge patriot because I, I witnessed my parents and I struggle for freedom and I didn't see anything wrong at the time. So um, what I'm doing now is I started my own business and I'm a consultant and I'm a financial one and as well as a health coach, basically the connection between the balance of like, you know, work life and home life and how you know, it is difficult for moms, especially single moms and single parents in general, to find that balance with their kids because they spend so much time working. So what I thought is, how can I um, how can I be home and how can I also work and produce an income for my family, but also be present in the home? Because that's like how I was raised. And I feel like that's a big value of mine. I want to homeschool my children maybe if I have more children because um my my, my kids are 10 and 12 and they like public school but it, it's it's like it's a full-time job basically teaching uh taking care of the household and you know running a business so I figured if I did it at home I would be you know in my own comfort zone in my um own space where I can create and possibly look into getting an office <laughs> because you know what what makes it like special for me to be able to do that is the power like i can do anything and that kind of empowerment that's recent for me i've never thought that i could do anything i just figured you know since i'm in america i can do all the things but at the same time, I was always told these limiting beliefs from, um, you know, parents and, you know, other people that I knew that, you know, to them having everything and, you know, not relying on, you know, government assistance or perhaps um, other parents or relatives for support. And what I feel like is I should be supporting my family. Um, my parents and everyone and when they when they get old i want to take care of them instead of putting them in a nursing home because i feel like that's where americans are out of touch 
because they put their elders in nursing homes. And um, to counter that, and I want to pause, I actually take care of senior citizens too now, Grace. So we have that in common. Um, I'm an insurance agent. So I help senior citizens get benefits with Medicare and um, just guide them because it is a, a confusing process. I've been studying for it for a year and trying to figure out, you know, what plans work best for people because it is very difficult. We don't have socialized health care here. And I'm not trying to get into politics, but um, our senior citizen population, um, they're, they're, they need help. So, and just like in my homeland in Russia, um, that was one of the things that um, I noticed that senior citizens weren't, um, they needed more support, they needed more help, uh, help, like their social security, whatever it's called in Russia, wasn't enough. So um, here it's the same, you know, um, so taking care of the senior population was important to me because of how much I um, want to help people. So that was, somehow like i i found that calling i don't know but um it, it does feel good to take care of uh, senior citizens but i knew that i couldn't be a nurse everyone told me to be a nurse but i didn't i didn't really want to do um the nurse part i want to be more like a therapist <laughs> or somebody that's just like a companion and someone that will listen and that's kind of what my job is anyway like oh what kind of health care needs do they have and do they have any money to pay for them. If they don't, there's so much government help that, you know, I, I do want them to know that they're not alone. And if they don't have family, then they have only me. So, you know, um, but back to, you know, being a mom, that that's, that's part of my business, you know, um, education too. So, you know, the more I learn, the more I want to uh, teach my kids. So, um, I did tell them, you know, certain things like that differ in culture that, um, you know, that's really important to culture. So um, I guess it's, it's, it's difficult to explain to the kids what, what my experience was in Russia and now here in America and how unique I am as an individual just having that um, you know, off the boat experience. So I feel like I got off the boat and here I am and, you know, the world is mine. But then I had a spiritual awakening and a lot of things made a lot more sense. And then I realized where I needed to go. And, you know, I, I changed career paths. I, um, I, I oh, like 180. So I was going to be a geologist and now I'm in financial education. So I realized that that was one of the things that people weren't empowered with, and it was financial education. And I realized that you didn't have to work hard, you just had to work smart. So if you have, you know, other people's money working for you, or you have good investments, and what are they? And are is everyone, you know, like in the 2007 crisis, 2008 crisis, when people lost their homes, like, that was a major awakening for me then. Like I realized that my parents lost their home. Like I never want that to happen to me and how many people were affected. So I realized that there was a lot of manipulation in the 
markets and the financial industry in general, everything's a corporation and somebody owns somebody and everything is a lie. And it's opposite day. Like, you know, like even green energy, what I went to school for was completely uh, like a flipped upside down debate that made no sense. So once I, you know, figured out that a Tesla also needed, you know, um, to be like to, to use fossil fuels to power the Tesla, you still need some form of, you know, it, it was just all a, a sham. It was a sham. And I, I just, I got so upset that, you know, I was going to make somebody else rich with my degree. And whether I got a job after I got that degree, which I worked so hard for while raising kids, you know, and working a part-time job, barely making it. It's like, this is, this is slavery. This is slavery. I'm not doing this anymore. So after COVID and, you know, losing my job, I realized that I was replaceable. And to me, in my head, I'm not replaceable. I'm a really valuable asset to any company. And you'd be lucky to have me because I know how to, you know, I, I love people and public relations. Like that's number one for me, like building relationships with my clients and helping people find a solution to whatever issue they have. I feel a lot more valuable in my own business, you know? So it, it's a really powerful and, you know, amazing experience to be able to do that. And nobody ever told me I could do it. So <laughs> I had to believe that for myself and, you know, get rid of the limiting beliefs, figure out where the generational trauma is or where um, just my trauma in general, like, you know, growing up, like being uprooted, leaving everything behind. And then nobody understands what that's like. You know, I left my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, people I'll never meet because, you know, of distance and logistics, you know, and expenses, like it's expensive to travel. And if you're, if you're trying to, you know, take your kids to soccer practice or something, which my kids are not in soccer practice, but you know, my kids are in lots of sports. It's, it's not easy to just, okay, we're going on vacation, you know, but you know, as a business owner, that actually seems possible. Like, you know, being con in control of your time and your schedule. And that's been the hardest thing is to manage my own schedule, to build the clients and um, just learn all these lessons that, you know, they don't teach you. They don't teach you how to start a business in high school. They don't teach you how to file your taxes mm -hmm. and, you know, the quadrants. They don't teach you how to completely get away with not paying taxes at all and running a business. Yeah, I, I remember, yeah, we, we talked about that last time. And so many things that you shared, many people really can relate to it, men and women, whether they are from America or grew up in America or in other countries. It seems like the, there's sort of like some, you know, global weakness of that education when it comes to like uh, financial management. Although there are certain countries also that seems like they got a better, a little bit more of that um, teachings or learning. So, right. um, and, 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 and I acknowledge that everyone, no matter what 
difficulty everyone really tries to overcome that by 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 just you know getting themselves more educated or more education or more information so i don't know about your experience but sometimes when it, when there's a uh, uh, another because well first you said after covid i don't think it's over yet so uh, yeah. <laughs> it's ongoing yet ongoing. okay yeah so there's still just something that's happening and we could look at it as a distraction or we could look at it as just another manifestation of what the unipolar um, system is you know being really like has been doing in terms of one world control because although they keep saying as a one world is like a new agenda but it's really been old so let me ask you sometimes do you have that experience when someone will ask you so if you have some critical comments about the situation right now in uh, in you know between russia and ukraine and russia and us and russia china and us and then some some people will say so why do you come to why did you come to united states or you know how sometimes some people can be hurtful and say go back to your country so if how do you how how, how do you feel about what's happening right now because i i i think it, it can kind of remind me of the time when um there's this like cold treatment to japanese before mm -hmm. so is that you know so now it's like russians so well, it's been russians for decades it's been russians since like you know the moon stuff like it's been a competition back and forth and that's the problem because for for me as a russian i don't see putin as this global wanting dominator of everything like i don't see him as that man that people see him here you know i see him as a man who um has been working tires tirelessly for uh, like what i don't know how long has he been president 12 years now <laughs> he's been working to fix what america basically ruined for me and my people um you know the, the craziest thing actually from your recent live stream with um the russian gentleman that's a, a financial analyst i learned and, and i've heard this from my parents but i didn't know exactly the specifics but he said only three countries latvia lithuania and estonia voted to get out of the union get out of this uh, soviet republics um that to me is it's another election stolen right in front of the people because my parents and everyone that they know voted to keep the union together the soviet union um and then overnight our money was worthless there people couldn't get paid for working even if they went to work um the whole system was destroyed um overnight so you know pe when people are hungry and they become homeless you know they they rely on the government for support um what what we left was a really scary world and people don't understand that here at all at all they have no idea how scary it is outside of this country um you could literally just you know with sex trafficking as rampant as as it is here over there like the first thing i learned was sex trafficking 
I was like four and my grandmother would tell me like, if you run away from me or you walk away from me at the bazaar, which was like an outdoor store, like a farmer's market, which is mostly what we had as farmers to rely on at the time. And um, you would be you would be trafficked. You would your your organs would be sold on the black market and I would never see you again. So let me interrupt you so that you could be uh, share more. okay? because you okay, you did say that, you know, um, what how America made it miserable for that situation when you were growing up that's why you came to united states but yes. then so but if, if if it's united states in your understanding why come to the country that you think right. and then of course you said because in in the in the head in the understanding of most americans and maybe other countries who is in um, let's see who has some um agreement for an agreement relations with united states they might say okay so your country did that to you mm. you know so go get and i'd love to talk about that so yeah so my country didn't do that to me and i didn't realize that you know america was the bad guy and all this an imperialist um in the world uh, scheme of things, um, you know, they created this crisis for my people, and it was just to dismantle the uh, the Soviet Union. Um, they wanted more power because the Union was powerful, and I'm not saying that it was the greatest thing alive, but you know, they what people don't understand about the Soviet Union is um, whether it was good or bad. It, Black and white, please, let, let's not talk about if it was bad or good. Let's talk about what they did for those countries. They mobilized people and they um, basically industrialized all these basically farmland. Like there was nothing there. There was just little villages. So in Kazakhstan, my grandfather built all the roads um, like, like, highways you know and they're still there without yearly maintenance like here in this country and i just want to make a shout out to my grandpa like <laughs> here it's like a business like our, our crappy roads in new jersey every year but my, anyways but back to this like my grandparents feel like you know they really help the, they're proud of their heritage like even you know the the horrible stuff that we heard they didn't my parents didn't experience it they don't have a bad um view of the soviet union when they grew up in the 70s and the 80s and they went to college and they're like i said like they were excited to like you know i was one or two when they were still in college a university and um because you know gorbachev you know was painted like he basically saved Russia. He did not. In fact, he destroyed our country and everything that people worked for and everything that people knew. So then the whole society is dismantled and you got to pick up the pieces. Um, you you got to start over. And th that's, you know, the inflation. Um, like people don't really understand inflation here, but what happened in that country was all because of inflation. Our money was worthless, like I said. 
So it's it's just another way to bring us closer to this one world government. And I think it was one of the one of the chess pieces, like, you know, let's take Russia out. Yeah, let's, you know, instead of working together for, you know, maybe global peace. But war is just a lot of money. And, you know, America loves to, like, call it democracy. But really, they're coming over and um, putting their troops in those countries. And they're colonizing the place, just like the British did, just like the white man did. They're doing that right now. Um, and they're taking the resources. And technically, that's exactly what the Soviet Union did. They, it took the resources and made money off of them. It's capitalism kind of. But, you know, the government got to keep everything. But um, back in the Soviet Union, like um, my mother, my parents, they had extracurricular activities all for free. Like they skied. My mother was almost in the Olympics. You know, it was a great, happy life for them. Um, were they rich or well off? No. Um, I can't tell you exactly like, you know, how well they lived, but they sewed their own clothes. They made, you know, their own food. And, you know, that's just the way the world was then. They didn't have big grocery stores and any of that. People did rely on farmers. And um, I guess. So when you said it was all industrialized. Oh, first I'm hearing from you directly and I've heard it also I understand more now especially listening to like historians and geopolitical analysts and we've had him for a couple of times Matthew Eric he, he's really good he's very very uh good so when he he said he that there is always like a deep state also in every country mm -hmm. so in every country so when you mentioned about they industrialize everything mm. and lost the fun. Is, is it are you against industrialization and i you know why i and let me share you and then you could share okay because sometimes it's good to kind of like uh talk about these things because in other countries they have kept people from just being farmers and not industrialized you see so they're it's like the the oligarchs, the elites has been like deciding of what each country or each culture must just do. So with yours, are you against industrialization and you just want, you know, just and you 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 don't want any in the industries in your country? Well, I don't think I have an opinion negatively against industrialization. I think what my concern is the environment and how it's affected. And, you know, if we can industrialize without harming the environment or the indigenous people that live there, um, then I'm all for industrialization. But that doesn't seem to be happening because the oligarchs don't care about that. And, you know, this monoculture, monocrop farming is the worst thing that we could be doing. So I hope since we're moving in this green movement, we're not just going to use it for industrialization purposes and, you know, boosting the economy. And but, you know, what they're trying to do is control us with that. Um, I, I want to be able to, you know, it's all in the World Economic Forum. They already said what they wanted to do with us. Um, and and what farmers are, are the bad guys to them, because, you know, the people that are in the city 
they're going to be the ones that never knew how to farm and don't even know what it feels like to, you know, pick your own vegetables and eat them. Like that's a great feeling to me. Um, and I feel pow- empowered again with that because I'm, I'm not relying on the government or the or corporations to feed me and my family. So they don't want that. They want you to, um, and, and that's another thing about the Soviet Union. They they wanted people to rely on them, and they did. You know, um, and after the the union fell, they gave people rations of food, um, milk, eggs, you know, bread every day, uh, depending on how many people you that had. That sounds like uh, Anna. That sounds like what what may happen here in the United States. Oh and dear. Exactly. And that is why my family came here because my dad was like, no, no, I can't raise my kids here. Like I can't wait for the economy to come back. I can't do this. I can't rely on my grand, uh, my, my grandparents, my grandparents uh, to support us because they weren't affected. My grandparents were fine. Like, yeah, their money was worthless because the government, they still had government jobs. Uh, It's my parents who couldn't get jobs. Um, whether they got paid or not, they were using savings and, you know, they were established individuals. But people who are just coming out of a college, they don't have anything, especially people now coming out of college in America. You have a giant bill in Russia. You did not. The government paid for your education. So, you know, you were just poor without debt here. You're just going to be poor with debt, a lot of debt. And the government's going to be like, listen, uh, you owe us, you know, we sent, we sent you to college. We'll pay for this. We'll take, we'll take your student loans. No problem. You know, it's just, just make, just sign here, sign here and we own you. You know, that's, people don't understand that. That's where it's going. I'm, I'm, I'm like you in terms of like my concept about, um, industrialization is, I'm not against it. It's just like also like as you said, if if it's being done first out of respect for the the culture, especially if there's a a group of ethnic people or indigenous people in that area, just have that respect. And and also if whatever they they whatever is being promised in terms of why it's being altered the environment's being altered is that it will truly benefit them as well or benefit the whole thing because the the and if that expense for industrialization will not end up on the shoulder of this people men and women of that area and of that country and that's now how we tied it to the in imf to the world bank because yeah they could promise us all this industrialization but it is true i used to i used to think how come like africa can never sort of be known as an industrial country but now i understand that they because that was also like too much of that or of that propaganda of that, let's just keep it green. I I don't want to use the word green anymore because it's just like um yes I, it's like the power that word became like a powerful thing for us not to see what they're doing. It's like it mesmerized us. Right. So, Jersey so, Grace, you know, we just got the ba- the bags banned. May fourth, the bags are banned. Now, what is that doing to help us at all? 
Now senior citizens, when they go grocery shopping and God forbid they forgot their bag, what are they going to do? They can't even carry their groceries to their car. They got to either, you know, it's just a small detail, but um, King Murphy, you know, our governor hasn't done anything to help any of this. It's just making it worse. And, you know, it's the propaganda just keeps going. And, and now it's so obvious. It's so obvious. It's right in your face. The Ukraine thing. Can we go back to the Ukraine thing? Oh, definitely. Have you seen what color the social distancing uh, stuff is? <laughs> go ahead and describe it. <laughs> Yellow and blue. The color of the Ukrainian flag. I wonder why. And I wonder how that works subconsciously. Have they been priming us for, uh, I don't know, two years with these signages like everywhere? That really pissed me off because I'd see it everywhere. And it's like, oh, my God, just let me forget for, for five seconds about COVID. And no. And, and I was one of the first people who realized that it was BS, you know, and but back to my studies, um, I, when I was in college for environmental science, I had to do, shockingly, uh, you know, a class on, um, I forget what the class was for, but basically I had to uh, do some research on Ukraine. It's been so long. And honestly, it was so, um, I, I lost so much sleep. And between taking care of kids, I was like, I don't even remember like going to um, going to sleep uh, before going to work the next day, and that's exactly why I realized. Like, listen, um, like they're trying to teach us, you know, basically liberal arts. They're trying to brainwash us in college to think a certain way, and I realized that with environmental science, I was like, how could they, you know, throw Russia in there? This is weird. They threw in Russia into my geology book. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but I picked up on the propaganda like this. And I, I didn't even realize what propaganda was at the time. You know, like I didn't really see it too much. I noticed it a lot with Trump and stuff like that, but not really. I was too busy, you know, with working and going to school. So and taking care of kids to even realize what's on the news. Um, but I paid attention. Uh, eventually I started paying more attention and when I did the report on Russia, not, not Russia, the Ukrainian conflict, basically, the coup that took place in 2014, I remember thinking like, um, you know, I had to write a, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing or like make an opinion piece out of it. And I remember my professor wasn't happy with my paper. And I'm like, damn, I spent so much time on this research. And, you know, I use, you know, I used a journalist for the most part, like independent journalists, uh, their sources. And um, that event made me realize that there was even a problem. I didn't even know about it. And I'm Russian and Ukrainian. And I didn't even know about the problem at all, except for my parents, like, oh, there's a war in Ukraine. But I didn't really hear much about it. And now I have family there. And I don't know them personally. That's not the point. But, you know, like I said, I picked up everything when I was six years old and came over here. I don't really remember, you know, what that much information. But what I do remember is coming here and straight up the first year I was here, I learned that something was wrong with me. Something was wrong with me and the kids didn't like me for some reason. 
And I couldn't understand why I was like, well, I don't speak English, so I can't really tell what they're saying. But um, it, it was the big problem was when I, when my parents, you know, you're in, you're in New Jersey. So you understand how there's like different areas where you could live. You could live somewhere really, really nice. You could live somewhere really, really shitty. So, um, you know, we started in a Jewish man's basement and I went to a pretty nice school and the whole town basically was Jews. And, um, my, my father did fireproof doors for $10 a day for this man. And my mother, uh, was an au pair and I went to, I happened to be able to go to school, um, in Russia for a year. And then I came here and I went to first grade and I like, you know, I had a great time. Um, but I realized like I knew all the stuff that they were learning, like the math, I just didn't know English. So I spent most of my time in ESL. And then my dad tried to like break the chains of slavery and uh, kind of like move out of the house and, you know, live on his own because it was it was weird. It wasn't a good environment. Uh, my mom basically spent the whole time taking care of these kids and my, my father worked like a slave and I was just, you know, there um, following them around or whatever. So uh, after school, uh, my father decided to go find a place in like a crappy neighborhood, no offense. It was Garfield, New Jersey at the time. Um, so living, moving from Livingston, New Jersey to Garfield, New Jersey. And my dad basically got free housing in a, a small apartment building. Um, and we lived in the attic upstairs and it was a, um, a studio apartment. Uh, so I went to school there. And the first day of school, I came back just sobbing, sobbing, something like, and I just had no idea why kids hated me. And then, you know, eventually now years later, I realized it. I don't remember exactly at the time if I realized it, but I realized that something was wrong with me. Like I wasn't, I wasn't wanted. And it was because of the color of my skin. Um, and that was because most of the kids in the low income communities were either Spanish or black. And even as children, they thought that I was a bad guy and I was some 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 sort of like racist or whatever, cracker, um, all kinds of things. And I couldn't even communicate with these people. And, you know, my my parents are Russian, so we never owned African-American slaves. So I don't know, you know, why instantly people hated me. So. But that wasn't like that in the Livingston school. Everything is great there. All white kids and rich kids. And, you know, the most thing, the most issues I had was maybe like arguing with someone on the playground over like something I couldn't even understand. So well, since um, now your, your, your children are, um, are born here, um, do you? Well, they're experiencing now. Because, oh, okay. Because I wanted to ask, um, do you what what questions, what conversations do you have with your children? Well, I asked them how was school, and they said, you know, oh, um, well, my son is mostly the one that comes home with these complaints. He says, oh, someone told me to go back to my, go back to Russia. And I was like, well, did you tell him you were born in St. Clair's Hospital, Denville? Like, what the hell is going on here? And it's because of this blatant propaganda that's been streaming hard body since. 2020 for these children on TikTok, in school, on the playground, like race wars, like the, these kids are wild, wild. And they're highly affected by what's going on in, um, 
in the current society because you know their parents have the news on they see what to hear and to believe and then they repeat the information and they think they're like geniuses because they because they know like you know current events they're staying informed informed you mean brainwashed so they're coming back to school like oh what's up you know what my son said the other day he said oh mom guess what the spanish kids can say the n-word now because their their pigment is darker than us and i was like oh that's really racist i can't believe that the n-word is a privilege to say i cannot i'm disgusted i'm disgusted that with these kids and everything so whatever i just told him to ignore it and like just you know not you know participate please don't you know want don't even want to say the n-word please like there's nothing glorious about having the privilege to say it that is just filthy um and you know how far we've come just to like regress and go that way and but it's really just a division of people it's just to make people fight with each other um but at the same time like what the what the elites see us as these little peasants so i don't think people understand in america that other countries they just have peasants and rich people here we have a middle class that's diminishing every day for a reason and that's you know in russia peasants oligarchs and you know if you're crooked in some way maybe you're making a good amount of money but for for the most people people are living beneath their means they can barely save they can barely travel and you know to have a meaningful life and not be a slave the world runs on debt the more money you take out the more money they make and now with how much money is worthless you know the only way the world goes round is because of debt so if you look up the debt calculator that's just criminal you know everybody owes a lot of money so back to your children mm -hmm. so it seems like it is important as an adult, I believe, as, as a parent, it's important that, that we can talk to our children or the young people if definitely every day when we have that access and see and just kind of like open and listen to them on what they're thinking and experiencing as well. Because and if you know, if they if, if they didn't have like your your son, if if you weren't around to ask then uh, who knows what would that be in his mind because each these these words these thoughts really um uh have an imprint on our on our body and then at some point that comes out and that's you know in in our field uh and and uh and when you mentioned earlier about culture you know the, the culture in your russia as a uh, as again as a for the kids as Russian Americans, what is it maybe that you emphasize or you share so then you can keep some culture or they can experience some culture? Because I I too believe that there's an importance of keeping and honoring some culture from our country or from our background. Um, so with culture, I'm gonna say definitely food. Um, I like to cook a lot of Russian food and, um, just being able to taste that brings me back, you know, 
gives me memories that, you know, kind of just makes me feel good. So besides the food, I would say religion. And it's not because I'm a huge religious fanatic, um, because it's a privilege. And I didn't realize that being, you know, Orthodox Christian is a privilege um, because it was illegal. We didn't, our churches were burned down during the Soviet Union when, with the pogroms and our, 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 our priests were murdered. Um, there was a huge revolution that took place and that's the most disgusting part of being, you know, Russian and that heritage because people think that, you know, what our government did is who we are and that's not true. Um, so we are really proud people, real, really, you know, we're holistic. We love nature and uh, making our own food. Um, and the, the thing is, we've ha- we haven't had it very easy. So our people are survivors. Um, they're very, I guess they're authentic is what I want to say. They don't have to fake anything and they will tell you like it is. So that is one of the reasons I'm so bold, I think, because as an American, it's very fabricated. You know, people just say hi to each other all the time and everything is just, you know, cheesy and great. Um, That's all fabricated. And, you know, most people are BSing you and, you know, it's not really like their genuine personality, but that's American culture. That's the culture here to be uh, um, it's a capitalistic mentality like, you know, and and this is just uh, maybe a theory of mine, but, you know, feel free to comment on it. But I've, I've realized that, you know, there's nothing superficial about my people because we're very um, we've been through two world wars that, um, you know, I think in uh, in May, we have a holiday basically that uh, celebrates, you know, us breaking from that slavery and, you know, being Russians and we're so proud of who we are and blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm not going to say I'm very cultured. I'm trying to be. But I, like I said, I came here when I was six. I'm lucky that I speak the language, read and write. That That's huge. Um, people who were born here, you know, my, my uh, brothers and stuff, they don't they don't really have that. Um, so it's really unique to, you know, continue to be able to, um, you know, use my voice, um, here it's, it's a privilege for me, you know, religion, like I said, because we didn't have that kind of empowerment. So I, my grandmother, you know, told my mom that she used to baptize me. My mother was never religious because they didn't grow up religious. Um, But but my grandmother and my grandfather have always like kept it quiet, you know, hush hush that they were celebrating Christmas, that they were celebrating Easter. And my grandpa would paint the eggs and they wouldn't go to church or anything. But it was just super special that they kept that culture. And, you know, coming here, going to a Russian church, I I, like, uh, you know, marble and gold like it's, it seems a little superficial, but that's our culture. Like that's what we, um, you know, hold dear and our country is free now and we can worship, you know, so you can't call Vladimir 
Putin a dictator because our people are so empowered and they have, you know, religion. And if he was a dictator, then he would ban religion, just like, you know. So our- why do you think, why do you think this um, ha- is happening right now, you know, in, in uh, instead of like before? Um. Well, I don't think people know that we don't have a centralized banking system in Russia. So, you know, he's not part of that. So with the new world order and everything they're trying to dish out, um, he's the enemy because he's not part of it. So it's just uh, maybe maybe I'm not answering your question correctly, but it's good. It's good. It seems like that, you know, like I'm not sure why everything is happening. And I'm just, a, you know, just like you, you know, just figuring it out as we go. But we're yeah. paying attention. And um, we also found our power and our voice. And what is that voice? That's our spirit. And we have to listen to that voice. And that's the voice that makes us happy and guides us and tells us, you know, I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? Like, this is what God is intending for me, the universe, whatever power you believe in. That and is then, uh, I, Yeah. I, I know your opinion is worth it because I, uh, everyone has to have some thought of what's happening. And that's why I'm, I'm happy that you were, you and I are able to do this because I don't have to always have some kind of geopolitical analyst to, for people to hear. Because we we also have our own intelligence, and so I wanted to. People needs to know that from um, right. ordinary, ordinary. I I may say ordinary, but we're not really ordinary when we want to speak our truth, our mind. Then that go makes us a little bit more above being ordinary when those who don't want to say anything. Okay. Right. So and and that's why it it's important for me to hear what you think and for other people to know why you think. And um and and then this one. So for what I've heard, between U.S. between uh, Russia and United States, who do you think is the which country is where the people are really obs- obsessed with being consumers? Is it? Russia or America? Easy one. <laughs> In America, we love we love to buy stuff. Um, the, it's crazy, you know. People just go shopping. You know, they need a reason, and it's all about capitalism. Christmas, uh, you know, President's Day, Memorial Day, anything like uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day. You know, all these created holidays. They're just St. Patrick's Day, they're just so you can spend money and put it back in the economy, just so you could do that. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a party pooper. I love to party. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I love getting together. I love feeding people. I think it's great. Um, and that's what I love being about, like an American. I love being an American because I think it's like you know the life of a party. You know, like we do have a lot to be thankful for and celebrate we're americans like but we need to humble ourselves at the same time because um what what's happening now is very alarming so you know we have to take back our power as people and you know hold our leaders accountable or get in those leadership positions and, and i asked that anna 
to not to interrupt, but I ask that question because you know when things like this happening and there's a, a sanction or an embargo of something, you get scared. Just like let's take it locally, right? When we hear about food shortage, etc., the, the artificial, which for me it's always artificial food shortage or any kind of artificial supply, we get scared when we don't know, as you said, like your grandparents or you know other people who know how to plant, who know how to create things, who know how to cook. It seems like we we when we don't when we are too too much of being a consumer and not creating something, then we fall into the trap of issues like what's going on now, which is really a, a serious matter. You know? It's a serious matter, yeah, because, you know, here, um, well, let me, let me just say, like, it was a very, like I said before, it was a scary place, you know. When my father came over here, my mother was scared to live by herself because of you know the violence and everything because when people are hungry and there's no you know system in place people are like it's like the wild west so for for my mom's safety and my safety she moved in with my grandparents and lived with them because you know a, a single woman living by herself she my, my father even had a fireproof door for like the so they lived in a high-rise apartment building and the fireproof door was this thick like thick and they had a little you know like a little thing you could look through and i'm telling you like like a safe that's how we got into our apartment door and people don't understand like the like the door i have back there that wouldn't work no okay um, even on my on my bedroom window, we had barbed windows, like because people would come down from the top, break into your window, rape you, and then take off, rob you, take off. And what people don't understand is when people have nothing more to live for, like they're homeless, like in LA, people are living on the streets. What do they have to lose? Nothing. They're doing crack right there in front of you. Okay. So these people are going to become terrorists, basically, and they're going to terrorize society. And most people here don't know how to protect themselves, how to defend themselves. They're just calling 911 whenever they need something. They're calling the ambulance. Um, what happens when they don't come? It's, it's like an apocalyptic society. And people here don't know what that's like um but survival skills are like really important especially when the economy comes crashing like you should be planning on at least having canned food rice non-perishable items like in storage right now I, I, like you should have been preparing a little bit now everybody has been you know saying oh there's a conspiracy theory well, it's right in front of our face right now. Like, you know, food distribution centers being lit, lit on fire, uh, planes crashing into them, no media coverage. You know, it, it, what's happening right now is really, really detrimental to our um, supply chain. I'm not an expert on supply chain, but I know that I'm not, if I don't go to the store, I don't get food. So, 
unless I have a farm or a means to live by, then I'm not going to be able to feed my family. And what happens with inflation? Inflation makes food costs a really lot, like a lot of money. Like in Venezuela, what happened? They inflated their money. Their cheese was like $8 or something for like a little bit of cheese. Well, that's what's going to happen here to people are not going to even be able to go take that vacation. They're going to be hunting for a job that's just going to be able to feed them, just like that man said. And that's exactly what my parents went through. Like eggs, we had two eggs, I think, per person for like the week. You know, it, it's it's not it's really terrifying. I, I don't know how else to explain it. I'm not trying to scare people. But one time my, my mom woke me up and she gave me pickle soup, pickles and water, you know, and like that was dinner. You know, not uh, that's why I speak out. That's why I, you know, I, I'm not happy with communists and socialist ideas. I, but then again, I do like the community aspect and I'm not saying that socialism isn't going to work, but it's not going to work in America. It's not because people are too easy, too, too used to convenience. They like to own things. And by 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy. So like you guys have eight years left to figure it out. Are you going to let the globalists take over your land? Because this is the only country with all the guns. We have to fight and people don't know how to fight here. And so it's going to be super easy to just brainwash them into submitting because they're going to think, oh, green energy. Oh, I'm a good citizen because people here like to follow the law. They like to be good citizens and a good citizen, you know, is the government's best friend, <laughs> you know? So I just, I just want people to be aware. Like I'm not an expert. But I've been studying the market for a while, you know, ever since I realized I should be studying, I should be paying attention. But, you know, with financial education, I knew I had none. So I was like, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch it. Well, I think everyone needs to start learning something about how money works or we're really screwed, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and if you don't go to work, you don't get paid, you know. And then you can't go buy the food that you need. Like, it's very simple. It's, it's, that's a supply chain in itself. You get the money from someone and you go get your food or you could grow your own food. <laughs> it's easy. It's not. <laughs> this is it. This is good. This is, I, I like our conversation from just, you know, just so every day I, I, this is our, what we're doing, just like an everyday conversation. So I'm sure many people can relate to it. So what else do you want to share in terms of what, just what's happening here? And also, especially with your experience and also that, you know, what's happening in the world. Um, like, it's, there, I know there's questions that Oh, because you mentioned about um, Russia not being in the world order. I I understand that there is this Belt and Road Initiative. They call it BRI. And there are many countries who are in it. And these are the Belt and Road Initiative. And with uh, they, they sign an agreement or some kind of memo. They call it a memorandum of understanding with China. And this is like a reminiscent of the Silk Road, the infrastructure project that would shield from East Asia to Europe. And so this 
these countries, there are like 146 countries and there, there are more countries that are coming together and not really wanting to be part of this, just, just one world order, okay? So it's, it's exciting. And I know that Russia is in it, India is in it and China and many more. Well, so, you're telling me something I didn't know yet. So I'm really happy you shared that with me. I will be doing my research. Yeah, yeah, go go do that. And, exciting. I'm and, happy to hear that. And this 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 also brings me to the understanding that they that's also why they wanted to it's its culture should keep their culture. Or of course it's in if inevitable because of just you know with this openness now of communications internet everything we could share some culture share understanding and that's why you you listen to my guest stan and that you know it's being respectful to each other without stepping on each other's toes and that is really what the law of one says you know the law of one which acknowledges the value interconnection interdependence of all aspects of reality and the living source consciousness within all things because i don't see us all doing the same thing which they're trying to do right we're trying to like you know definitely the color we can change we will all be different so that's kind of obvious but with that um who knows what else they're doing with the with you know with the jab you know they're doing changing things changing okay. our dna's right so they just um, want and control that so um that's happening and so that's for me hopeful how about for you what is it that you see that's hopeful that's going on these days well actually a lot of things i'm not gonna say that what's happening is good but i think that you know with every single day people are waking up and understanding that they need to find their power they need to take back you know their god-given rights and they you know it's not going to be everyone it's going to be like hopefully 60 percent. if we had 60 percent of the population woke in the right sense not woke in the liberal like ridiculous sense um you know the marxist neo-marxist sense um then we're good because um those people um right now i'm part of a community that's um a farmer um and then other people with different you know butcher uh it's people with skills and people that want to live off the land um and I might get in trouble for saying this because it's a secret project, but I think a lot of people should be doing this. Like they should be organizing, you know, securing a food supply. Um, maybe that sounds crazy. I don't care. I'm more prepared than you if we're screwed and I'm right, you know? So it's like, it's very simple. Like what is important to you? Uh, find your community. And I think a lot of people are doing that. Um, is it important for you to, um, you know, have the freedom to teach your children, you know, from home and homeschool them? Great. Have a homeschooling community that like-minded people, it, it, you need to just, I guess, gather and do what they don't want you to do <laughs> by talking and, you know, conversing and teaching each other different things and 
finding my community was the greatest blessing ever because I've wanted to be a farmer, but with New Jersey housing issues right now, um, I'm still stuck in my apartment, but that's okay because I found a community where, um, you know, we have a farm and we have a lot of volunteers and it's a PMA, a public membership, I'm sorry, a private membership association. And so we have a lot of different resources and connections within the community. And it's, I think it's about 200 people um, at least, and it's expanding. So we all came together in one, um, you know, one meeting, you know, just people around who were just really frustrated with what's going on. That was before the election. Um, and then, you know, they continue to get together and gather and they're teaching the constitution. They're teaching the Bible. It depends on what your interests are, but there's people that are also doing healing. Uh, there's farming. We're doing aquaponics, you know, growing our food without soil using fish. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's really cool. And your microphone. Is water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really cool. So, I mean, we're, we're getting chicken tractors. We just put one together yesterday. So we're going to produce our own food and I'll be self-sufficient. And if the supply chain is down, we have food. And, you know, the worst thing that could come and happen is, you know, the government comes and, you know, kills our chickens, which has happened to people. Excellent. E excellent. Well, let's not talk about the negative things, but like that's that's the worst case scenario. But at, at that point, we'll have our locked and loaded weapons and we'll fight back. And don't worry, like we're not scared because, again, there is no fear once you find your power. And I'm not scared of anything. Grace, you are powerful and I feel like your whole energy and I, I never sense fear in you ever. I think this is a good place to end. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and it's, uh, it's wonderful because uh, yeah, your group and other groups, they're doing something. And again, the people who've been either they, they, okay we have given our control and sovereignty in three aspects i believe in government in uh, education and in church or religion so a follow-up to what you are encouraging people or audience is that yeah you continue to study about what's the history of your government what's the history of your church what's the history of your education and then tie it to what's happening because that gives you power on what to do next because the history is important and that and it seems like the ones who has some lineage of coming from another country having suffered there or if you're born here and you know your story of your family who really have been patriots and have worked you know that you don't want to repeat certain things in the past and only with what you can do now that you can see the future, a better future. So I think this would be a good place to end. And right. And tell us um, other, uh, where can people reach you? And Okay. Well, you can reach me at the bad mom podcast at gmail.com. And uh, my podcast is on season three and I have not launched season three yet, but we're 
we're launching and I'd love to have meaningful discussions on anything I've mentioned. Um, I interview everybody, but my podcast and my purpose on my podcast is to expose abusers and teach people about different types of abuse so that they don't become victims. And for the most part, I'm interested in teaching children. So that's part of the community. Actually, I was working with, um, you know, brainstorming, like, what are we going to teach the kids? Because we do have a homeschooling community and it's growing every day. And the kids are, they're really, they're really great. You know, we learn so much from the kids, but you know, once they're, something happens to them, it could change, you know, how they are and stuff. So to me, it's really important. So I'm going to teach them certain things like financial education. Um, we're going to learn how to make money, how to be entrepreneurs, you know, like have a lemonade stand. We're doing a farmer's market, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, see, my passion is kids. So I'll talk about kids all day. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and learn some martial arts. Yeah, actually, I started doing jujitsu. Did you know? Yeah, I started doing because Russian, Russian has martial arts too, has your own martial arts. So you have you're gonna learn in, that. In my culture, it's not proper for women to fight. Yeah. We're ladies, and that's you know, that's where I'm I draw the line and I'm a feminist here because I think then if you can't protect yourself, you can become a victim. And there's so many women in jujitsu that I met that, you know, are my size even smaller and they can take me down like this, you know, <laughs> like, well, I'm new. So of course they can, but it's really important to not be a victim and anything we can do to prevent becoming a victim. It's through education, um, financial, spiritual, even, you know, like be careful because the mind is an impressionable place, you know? So with kids, we have to be very careful what we teach them. And, um, we, we have to, be careful not to dim their light and empower them, you know, because this redundancy in the adult world, like, I wish I could be a kid again, you know, so I didn't have to, you know, think about what I have to do today, like to make money, you know, I'm just kidding. But it's, it's true. It's true because our kids, um, you know, once they become these robots and brainwashed, you know, it's hard to get out of that. So to, to, to stay in the inner child and to like be playful and creative, that's important. So um, if, if people want to hear either um, people's survivor stories and maybe empower themselves with other people's stories of abuse, different types, financial, psychological, emotional, not just physical, they can listen to my podcast and I'd love to hear some feedback. And I also expose corruption in the government and our armed forces where people have become victims of sexual abuse um, and domestic violence as well. Um, and, you know, our soldiers are very important to, to me because my ex-husband served in the military and I, I served in the military as well briefly. And I think our, our soldiers deserve a lot more respect, um, considering what happened, you know, in the sixties when they came back from Vietnam, uh, even now, like uh, there, there's so much suicide and, you know, there's a lot of bad apples in the military 
that take advantage of people that are actually joining the military for good. And um, I have a few really interesting podcasts on there exposing uh, the corruption in the military and even uh, murder, you know, so we, we cover everything yeah. um, for the most part. You know, I, I do like to talk about different topics, so I'm open, you know, so check that out. Check, check out uh, Anna's um the badman podcast and i believe in our past two podcasts one of them you discuss about we focus more on your military experience and connections and that's american military so um i uh i thank you and i we began our podcast with some lines from the vow to the ave deity which is that it really means uh the embodied mind spirit of source so it's like a, a, a respect for that i'd like to end with few more okay and i'm going to again recite in the anuhas and mahmashayahana uh, language at the same time i so speak also in english and it says tabrem adu yet day enet ayat dutu zaevo sadeun ke all other desires, ideas, and intentions, objectives align in harmony with Deosho Zade, Deosho Raver, Enet Deosho Zaen, in divine right timing, divine right harmony, and divine right balance or divine right harmony. And I end this podcast and I am fully grateful to all of you and to Anna and to uh, just all of you doing your best. Okay. All right. And have a great day, whatever you're doing and do send us some feedbacks. Okay. See you again, Anna. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I zoned out. I'm having so much fun. Thank you, Grace. Thank you.